Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. God promises us a rest on this earth in 3 John 2 and in John 10.10. And we've been looking at this rest and, and looking at this amazing promise and the requirement for coming into this rest on this earth, which is peace and joy and and a place where we can just totally trust God, which is completely apart from circumstances, completely separated from the things that are going on in our life. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's an actual place in the spirit realm. And we've all been promised this, that we can have this, and yet we can forfeit this promise if we don't have one thing and that one requirement that we have to have in order to enter into this promised land of rest is belief. And so we've been talking over the last several weeks of what causes unbelief. And this morning I want to talk to you about a huge major cause of unbelief and that is murmuring, complaining, and blaming. And I'm just going to stop and smile for a little while. Murmuring and complaining and blaming. The definition of murmuring is a continuous, low sound, a complaint, especially one that is not made openly, quiet expressions of discontent, murmuring. Complaining is a habitual expression of unhappiness and dissatisfaction. And blaming is considering somebody to be responsible for something wrong that has happened to find fault with somebody. You know, sometimes when we read definitions, it's uh, rather convicting. Because I think, well, I'm a really positive person, you know. I don't really complain very often, but I realize I kind of murmur. Or I'm not really, you know, a big complainer, but do I blame people when things go wrong? See, murmuring, complaining, and blaming will literally block us, cause us to forfeit our right to go into the promised land. Because when we murmur and when we complain and we blame, we develop faith. Did you know that? When you murmur, complain, and blame, you develop faith. You develop faith that nothing will ever go right. Did you know that you can develop faith for good things as well as you can develop faith for negative things? See, because Romans 10:17 says faith comes from hearing. And so when we murmur and complain and blame, we develop faith that things are never going to go right. We develop faith for that. And then that's what we receive. When we speak we speak what we've developed in our hearts. And, you know, for most of that, us, that's a reminder. But I want to read Luke 6.45 because it's so convicting to me to realize that what comes out of my mouth is what has been developed in my heart. When you're in a, a difficult situation, what comes out of you will be what is developed in your heart. It won't be what you want to say necessarily. It'll be what you've been putting in there. And that's why it's so important to put the Word of God in our heart because when we're squeezed, when we're pressured, when we're under difficult situations, what's in there will be what comes out. Just like when you squeeze a fruit, whatever is in that fruit is going to come out. 
If you squeeze an orange, you're not going to have applesauce come out because what's in that orange is an orange, orange juice. And so as believers, when we put the word of God in our hearts and the word of God comes out, when we put praise in our hearts, when we have thankfulness in our hearts, then that is what comes out. When we have mercy in our hearts and we're in a situation where we could offer mercy or judgment, when we've put tons of the word of God and mercy in our hearts, then mercy comes out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaks. Luke 6.45, the good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, a mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouth speaks. Murmuring, complaining, and blaming focuses on the problem and develops faith that nothing will go right. You know, whatever we put in our hearts is what we have focused on. Honestly, people say, well, how do I get good in my heart? How do I get God's word in my heart? How do I get mercy in my heart? How do I get patience in my heart? That's what I want to come out in my life. That's what I want to come out of my mouth. How do I get it in my heart? Easy. What do you focus on? Because whatever you focus on will be what comes out in your life. The same thing with a camera. If I go and I have my film developed and we look at the pictures of the developed film, it's very easy to see what I focused on because there it is. It's been developed. It'd be hard for me to go and argue with someone and say, you know, all of these pictures that have been developed that are taken of the trash can, I wasn't pointing at the trash can. I was pointing at the sky. And it's just, it's impossible. I don't understand how the lens could have developed a picture of the trash can when I was pointing at the sky. And the person would say, well, I think you're highly mistaken, ma'am. This camera would not have developed pictures of the trash can unless that's what you were focused on. See, it's the same in our life. Whatever we focus on becomes what develops in our life. And if we focus on a problem and not on God, then we tend to complain and murmur and blame. And then God says that will prohibit us from going into the promised land. And so what we focus on will be so important. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. And so what we put into our heart is what outflows and becomes our life. But what we focus on is what ends up in our heart. What we focus on is what's developed in our heart. So when I focus on God's word and I focus on God's mercy and I focus on God's truth, then that's what's developed in my heart. And I become thankful versus complaining and murmuring and blaming. Complaining and murmuring and blaming will, will make us forfeit entering in God's promised land of rest. And again, I, I'm sharing this with you because I am convicted. I am really convicted. And y'all get some smiles on your face because you know I'm about to embarrass myself. But, you know, I would say in general I'm a very positive person. But murmuring counts. See, God just doesn't... 
say just complaining and, and blaming. He says murmuring. Murmuring are those barely audible little things that you say. Just those very little unaudible things. And usually the only person that gets to hear those special little negative, ridiculous comments that you make is your spouse. And it counts. You know, when I was studying and preparing this and saying, God, you know, I don't want to forfeit entering into this promised land of rest and peace on this earth. Please show me what is murmuring and complaining and blaming because I don't want to forfeit my right. And I don't want anyone that hears this message to forfeit their right from entering into this promised land of rest and peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding just because we didn't know. And one of the things that I know that the Holy Spirit said in my heart is, hey, Kathleen, venting counts. (laughs) You know when you just vent? Oh, I just needed to vent. And he's complain, 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 complain. The Holy Spirit said venting counts. You know, there's a place and a time where we have to say something so that people know how to pray. And then there's just a place and a time where you can just say, Hey, I can't say too much, but please pray. And you usually know the difference because, at least for me, There's a place where I know that I'm getting into complaining or murmuring or blaming because I'm still talking and I no longer have peace to be talking. But I'm talking anyway because it just feels good to sort of like spit out all that poison on whoever I'm spitting it all out on. But God says, don't do that because then I say, why have I lost my peace? Why am I not sleeping well at night? Why am I not trusting God? Because I'm so focused on the problem, that's why. I'm so focused on the problem that I'm not focusing on God and whatever I focus on will be what develops in my life. Whatever I focus on will be what comes out in my heart. Whatever I'm focused on will be the location that I end up in spiritually. If you want belief, which is the requirement for entering into the promised land of God. If you want belief to develop in your heart, then you have to have a thankful heart instead of a complaining, murmuring, blaming heart. A thankful heart. And that is developed by trusting God and focusing on His Word instead of the situation. A lot of you all know that I deal with chronic pain in my back and and have for a long, long time. And yes, I'm believing for God's healing. Yes, I believe that God is our healer. No, I haven't given up hope. But I've gone to God and said, God, you've healed me of leukemia. You've moved my jaw. We've received a child from halfway around the world. You've done incredible miracles in my life. You have been our sustainer financially when everything looked really bad. We went through all of the leukemia without drug insurance. I mean, God has been our provider and our healer and our miracle maker, but why God? Why have I dealt with this seriously, exorbitantly painful pain in my back all of these years? What do you want me to do? And I prayed that several months ago. God, what do you want me to do? I believe you. I trust you. I don't know how to have more faith. 
Have you ever been in those situations? I don't know how to have more faith, God. I'm doing all I know to do. Maybe you're in one of those situations today. And the Lord clearly says to me, and I believe to you as well, it's simple, this is what I want you to do. Focus more on me than on the problem. You see, the Israelites, when they were taken out of Egypt and into the wilderness and they experienced all of these difficult situations, they got their eyes off of God and they got their eyes onto the difficult situations. And whenever we get our eyes off of God and off of who He is and His Word and what He can do and how powerful He is and how much He loves us and how He has a timing for us and He wants us to hang in there and not give up and not let go, whenever we get our eyes off of Him and we start focusing on the problem, we start doing three things, complaining, murmuring, and blaming. Because we panic and we feel like it's under our control and we've got to do something about it. One of the easiest persons, just in case you didn't really know who you could blame and you wanted to blame, is your spouse. When in doubt, blame your spouse. You know, but it sounds funny, but when you're really there, we need to have such an incredible awareness of that because that's what the enemy wants more than anything else because there's a power in agreement. The Bible says that if any two of you agree on anything on earth, it will be done in heaven, and there is no greater power than between a husband and a wife because that's the way that God set it up to be, symbolizing Him, symbolizing unity. When we get our focus off of God and onto a problem or onto a situation, we immediately start complaining and blaming and murmuring. And we blame each other, even if we don't want to. It's the byproduct of getting our eyes off of God. The frustrating thing is when we try to stop complaining, blaming, and murmuring, and we don't realize that the root cause, the source of it, is getting our eyes off of God. If you focus on all your problems, then you will murmur, complain, and blame, and develop unbelief, even if you don't want to. The Israelites focused on every problem and temporary challenge, and they constantly murmured and complained and blamed. Through the psalmist in Psalm 95, God warns us, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah, as you did that day in Massa in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation, and I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and... They have not known my ways. And so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter into my rest. You know, looking at this and, and, and looking at the, at the Israelites being an example to us of what we're not to do if we want to enter into the rest of God. And God says they complained and they murmured and they blamed They blamed, and they did not know my ways. They will not enter into my rest. Instead of entering into the promised land of God, they landed in two locations. Do you remember? Massa is one, and Meribah is the other. And as I was studying this and and looking at this, I realized that when we 
murmur and complain and blame, we land in two locations, Massa and Meribah. Meribah means strife in Hebrew. Massa means temptation. Do you know that when we get our focus off of God and onto the problem and we start murmuring, complaining, and blaming, we literally end up in strife and temptation. Even if we don't want to. We can want to end up in the promised land, but the only way to do that is to get our eyes on God and say, yes, this looks like an impossible situation. Yes, I'm going to be praying about it. Yes, I may shed tears over it. Yes, God may show me certain steps to do. Yes, I'm going to ask people to pray about it. Yes, it hurts my heart. Yes, it's difficult, but I trust God. God said the Israelites weren't going to go into his promised land because they didn't know his ways. Focusing on God lets us trust God so that we can stop murmuring, complaining, and blaming. I don't know about you, but I start murmuring, complaining, and blaming when I feel like everything's up to me. When I feel like I've got to do something about this. I've got to because it's up to me. And I start panicking and I start blaming everybody around me and I I feel hyper-responsible. And I've lost sight of who I work for. I've lost sight of who I live for. I've lost sight of who loves me more than anybody in the entire world. And that's God. And I start murmuring and complaining and blaming and then I end up in two locations. One is temptation and temptation, usually for me, is the place where I just am very tempted to not believe God anymore. Have you ever been there? It's a horrible place. It's a confusing place. It's an empty place. It's a desolate place. It's a place in the wilderness that the Israelites stayed in for a long, long time until that generation literally died out and God could raise up a new generation to go into the promised land. The other place that we end up in when we murmur, complain, and blame is strife. Meribah. That is so true. I can... I can have a situation that is truly difficult. And the more that I murmur, complain, and blame, the more mad I get at Lacey, I can't even tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not really that he's any different than he's ever been. It's just that he just starts to irritate the heck out of me. (laughs) And it's true. You all, there is a spirit of strife. The book of James says that there is a spirit of strife. And it is the most evil, divisive spirit to come into your household. And the book of James says that it lets in every evil thing. The opposite of that is unity. There is power in unity. There is power in agreement. So often, Lacey and I have to just stop and pray because we realize that we're under pressure, we're under difficult situations, and one of us or both of us is murmuring and complaining, or one of us or both of us is blaming, and we need to stop and start loving, get our eyes back on God. Sometimes I get into a panic mode when I get my eyes off of God and onto Lacey, and I pull the old, you're the head of this household, what are you going to do about this? 
Some women are laughing. Some women are not. But see, he is, yes, but there's someone far and above him, and that's Jesus Christ who will never, ever let me down. All of us are going to let each other down. We are because we're humans. But God will never let us down. And we can find and live in that promised land that he's promised us of peace if we're willing to focus on him and not the problem. You know, sometimes it feels holy to focus on the problem. It really does. It feels like we're, we're working on it with God. But I know the difference between partnering with God to pray for his will and to be faithful in covering a situation in prayer. I know the difference between that and focusing on a problem to the point where I am panicked and drained and blaming and complaining and murmuring because I lose my peace. Ask God to show you. Focusing on Him is so much better. I love the song, God Will Make a Way, where there is no way. Because that is the God that we serve. He's not looking for the possibilities. We are. Do you know we are? Even though we're supposed to be faith people and we're supposed to live by faith, we still look for the possibilities. Oh, here's a possibility. I just thought of something. Here's what could work in this problem, in this situation, in this difficult circumstance. God isn't looking for the possibilities because he's the God of impossibilities. And sometimes he lets every possibility go by so that he'll get all the credit. But he has to have a people who will believe him no matter what they see, no matter what they hear, and no matter what they feel. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. Murmuring, complaining, and blaming leads to Meribah's strife. Murmuring and complaining and blaming leads to Massa, temptation. A temptation not to believe God and also a temptation to take matters into our own hands. And that's a terrible place to be because then you realize it really is all up to you. And sometimes God will say, you want it, you got it. It's also a song, but I won't sing that one. Does anyone remember that one? Roller skates, comb in the back pocket. Okay. Different generation. I hate that. I hate that because then i got to give it back to him. So often I know that because God's trying to grow me up in him, I'll take something from him. And, and I'll end up in that place of temptation. I'll end up in in Massa, because I've murmured and complained and blamed and I've not focused on God. And he said, Kathleen, if you want that problem, you can have it. You can try to take care of it for a little while. And then I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders and I don't know why. And I have to go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, you say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I am. I can't take care of this. I need you to take it from me. I want to focus on you and not the problem and not the situation. See, almost everything in the Bible is just the opposite of what our natural inclination is. The world would say, if you want to fix a problem, you focus on it. You analyze it. You work on it. You talk about it. 
until it's fixed. And God says, if you want to fix the problem, and you want it my way, and you want the answer to be exceedingly abundantly above all you could hope or ask or think, like it says in Ephesians 3.20, then you give it to me. And you get your little hands off of it. And I'll tell you what to do. And I'll tell you what to say. And I'll tell you even what procedure I'm going to go through. But I might tell you one step at a time. And you can have peace in the middle of the problem. And you can learn to trust me. I've thought about this in the last couple of days. Could it be that some of us have not really entered into God's promises for our lives or God's promised land of rest in our, in our lives because of a little tiny thing called murmuring? I mean, could it be that I haven't really or you haven't really in some area entered into God's actual destiny for your life or a promise that he's promised you because of a tiny little thing called murmuring and complaining and blaming? I'm sure it was shock for the Israelites to realize that they wandered around in the desert for 40 years when it could have been an 11-day trip, geographically speaking, But they didn't enter in because God couldn't get their heart right. See, he's patient and he'll wait. He may have something for you right now. And he's just waiting for your heart to be right. Not perfect, but focused on him. That scares me. And that excites me. It scares me because it tells me that we can be so close and yet so far. But it excites me because it tells me that I don't have to be perfect to enter into the promised land. Thank God or I never, never would. But I do have to be focused on God. I have to be believing God even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And so what do we have to do to believe God? In Psalm 95, 10, and 11 that we read just a few minutes ago, it says, Remember what God said about the murmuring, complaining, and blaming Israelites. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. In other words, murmuring, complaining, and blaming actually makes God angry. Doesn't it you as a parent? You try to give the best to your kids? You try to do your best for them. And there's really no attitude that's more aggravating than murmuring, complaining, and blaming. Murmuring, complaining, and blaming. Right? I'd almost rather them be just outright angry or, or um, just take responsibility and say, I messed up, Mom and Dad, instead of blaming their brother or their sister or someone else. Well, God's the same way. And I think especially with the murmuring part, the worst thing is, is when you tell your teenager to do something and then they walk away and they're like, you're like, what did you say? Get back in here. See, God feels the same way. He doesn't like that constant 
murmuring and complaining and blaming. It makes him angry. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation, and I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. Why would he say that? See, because if we really know the ways of God, we react differently no matter what the situation is. When we really know God's ways, we can say, you know what? I know it doesn't look very good right now, but God is faithful. And his word is true. And his word says to raise up a child in the way in which he or she shall go. And when she's old or he's old, she or he will not depart from it. And the word says that that God has a good plan for my life. A plan to give me a future and a hope, as it says in Jeremiah 29.11. And the word says, and the word says, and that causes us to know God's ways and we react differently instead of murmuring and complaining and blaming and taking control and feeling panicked all the time and working, 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 working on the problem. We're able to focus on God, and then that focus develops the peace in our lives that we so need. God continues in Psalm 95, They have not known my ways, so I declared on oath in my anger they shall never enter into my wrath. So how do we get to know God and get to know his ways? I really think that what God said to me a month ago is the key. Spend more time with God than you do with the pain. Spend more time with God than you do with the problem. And I was convicted. It was like, God, I think on the days that are my worst days, Worst days on the inside, you know. It doesn't mean everybody else knows it's the worst days. Worst days on the inside are the days that I've spent more time with the problem, trying to fix the problem, thinking about the problem, blaming other people for the problem, working out the problem. And I realize I'm spending time with the problem, but I'm not spending time with you. My best days... My best days are not necessarily when nothing negative is going on. My best days are when my eyes are so focused on God that all I can see is Him. And the problems look so little. And I'm reminded of what He's done in the past. Just like the Israelites should have said, Hey, you know what? We don't have water here in this land, but what are we worried about? We've had water come from a rock before. What are we worried about? God delivered us out of Egypt. What are we worried about? He parted the sea. What are we worried about? He rained down bread, manna from heaven. What are we worried about? Our clothes have never even worn out all this time. What are we worried about? We follow the cloud of the glory of God. That's what God wanted them to hear. He he wanted them to say. And that's the heart that he wanted to enter into the promised land. And that's the heart that he wants from us. What am I worried about? Look what God's already done. I have eternity ahead of me and I have God with me. If God be for me, who can be against me? What am I worried about? That's the heart that enters the promised land of God. And that's what God wants us to encourage each other in. Get your eyes back on God. Get your eyes back on God. Focus on Him. Read His Word. 
Read his word, even if it's just a little bit at a time. You know, savor it. Savor one little piece. Because the word of God is sweet as honey, but it's also powerful, and one word from God can change your life. My daughter at this point knows one scripture, and her one scripture has brought me out of the muck and the mire and darkness many, many times. She only knows one. It's I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. She has a few others that are quite paraphrased, and she has many others that she's written down, but she only knows one. You only need one for God to change your heart, change your life. Read his word. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer. I love Psalm 119, verses 26 through 41. I encourage you to look that up. Read that. Every part of the word is so good. But David is crying out. And in those scriptures, in Psalm 119, verses 26 through 41, David says, Teach me. Let me understand. Strengthen me. Keep me. Be gracious to me. Direct my path. Turn my heart towards your word. Turn my eyes from worthless things. Isn't that good? to pray Psalm 119.37, God, turn my eyes from worthless things. How often do I get focused on worthless things? And just like a camera, whatever I focus on with the lens of my eyes will develop in my life. If you want worthless things to develop in your life, focus on them. If you want God and faith to develop in your life, Focus on his word. Why would Satan do everything to distract us from the word of God? Why is it that when we open the Bible, we're perfectly awake when we open the Bible and then we start to feel like we're just going to go into a coma? You know that's true. You could watch TV until 1130 at night and be fine, but as soon as you open the Bible, you're like, oh, honey, I just can't keep my eyes open. Because the word will change your life. Stand through it. TV won't change our lives, but the Word will change our lives. One word from God, focusing on that, will develop in your life. And then praying. Praying to God brings about His answers. And then praising. Praising God brings about that thankful heart. When I don't know what to do, and believe me, I'm always in situations where I don't know what to do. When I don't know what to do, yeah, sometimes I slip into murmuring and complaining and blaming. But I quickly lose my peace, and I don't like being there. I don't like living in Meribah and Massa. See, once you've tasted the promised land, you're not going to settle for Meribah and Massa anymore. Once you've tasted the promised land, you want as many people to come in there with you, but you're not going to leave to go be where they are. And the thing that gets me out of that murmuring, complaining, and blaming is praise. Putting on praise music and thanking God for all that he's done. Even if all you can think of is thank you for hot water. Thank you for plentiful food. Thank you, God, that I have something to give away. Sometimes on my worst days when the pain is terrible, I say, thank you, God that you've given me the ability to communicate, that I can talk with my mouth, that I can hear with my ears, 
What can you thank God for this morning? And so often, the more I thank Him, the more I forget about the problem. And then God gets to do His thing, which is His miraculous power that only He can do when we will get out of the way. I think that God told the Israelites, you will not enter in my promised land of rest because you've not known my ways. And there is one thing I want to share with you that is the ways of God. It's found four times in the Bible, but I'm going to read it in Psalm 22.5 and Romans 10.11. And that is that those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. That is the ways of God. Psalm 22.5 says, They cried to you and were saved, and in you they trusted and were not disappointed. Romans 10.11 says, As the scripture says, Anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed or put to shame. One of our greatest fears when we've gone through something and we're going through something and things look terrible and the problem is huge and looking huger, and big and looking bigger, and the weight is great and getting greater, and our hope is crushed and getting smaller, and our faith, our faith is faint. Go to that scripture and say, God, you promised that those who trust in you will not be disappointed or put to shame. And hold him to his word. He will come through. And He wants a generation of believers on this earth right now to go into the promised land and to take as many people with us as possible, but He's looking for hearts that will believe. And the only way to stay out of murmuring, complaining, and blaming, which leads to unbelief, which leads to Massa and Meribah, which is, temptation and strife and really will just suck the life and joy out of you, frankly. I know from experience. The only way to leave that and to go into the promised land is to focus on God. Way above your problems, do you spend more time with your problems or with God? you spend more time with your pain or with God? Let's pray. Father, we're so, so excited and so privileged to spend time with you right now. I pray in the name of Jesus for anyone who is hurting. Lord, and I ask that they would see your face. They would hear your voice and they would feel your arms wrapping around them. That they would know that you were the same yesterday, today, and forever that you parted the waters for the Israelites to cross through, that you have performed miracles, that you are the creator who created the heavens and the earth and that no problem, no situation is impossible to you. You tell us that in Luke 137. All things are possible to God. I thank you, Father, that we can look at you now above our problems, above the circumstances. We choose now to trust you. Lord, please, in each one of us, develop a heart 
that is pleasing in your sight so that we may know your ways and enter into your promised land of rest. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.